I'm saying. <laughs> Sorry, it's because I've got high calcium that sometimes <laughs> stops my brain Let from thinking. Let me have thinking. a look up, look up high calcium. Oh no, it does say you may actually talk like a complete idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Hi Paul, good evening to you. Hi Sarah, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm really well, thank you. Good, good. Um, I haven't seen you for a bit. Well, and I was going to say the same thing, I haven't seen you for a bit, <laughs> well, obviously you know that. Yes. So um, yeah, really nice to see you and it's good to be back. It is good to be back and um, I'm glad that we're keeping up with our New Year's resolutions of doing more uh, on this in uh, in March. <laughs> it's the beginning of March still, I feel. Okay. We're no, doing all right. right. We're going to pick it up. What's your do-do this week? So my do-do this week, I've learnt um, to dial down my overconfidence. Oh. Think has, <laughs> has somebody asked you to do that or is this a self-reflection? It's a self-reflection. So I'm trusting now. So when I'm writing a chapter, I'm trusting that actually it doesn't have to be perfect because at the end of the day, when all is said and done, it will be perfect. I trust myself that I am brilliant. <laughs> so what about your do-do? I always feel like I come up with, like you're talking about writing a book and yeah. I'm going to say my do-do is... Uh, going for a walk after work in the evenings because the evenings are getting lighter and they I'm are. really kind of embracing and enjoying. Spring is round the corner. That's nice. Okay, so what's your um, poo-poo? Mine's just about cold again. And yourself? Something similar because I've been enjoying the daffodils but and I did think spring was around You're the corner. Hippie, I love it. I thought spring was around the corner but the cold weather this week with the kind of what turned out a bit of snow surprised us all, I thought. Yeah. Paul, Tell the listeners what we're talking about this time. Well, it's Social Work Month. I think it's International Social Work Month. And what's, <laughs> and what's, the, what's the theme this year? Uh, this the year, it's about respecting diversity through joint social action. So that's what we'll talk about today. And it comes from, interestingly enough, it comes from, you know, the International Federation of Social Work? Yes. Yes. So they have put up a people's charter for a new eco-social world. So that kind of promotes power between local actions, diverse communities, working together to treat, achieve kind of um, transformational change so that we can live with kind of confidence and security, peace and sustainable world. Now, we need to break down what all of that means because it's just a bit of words, isn't it, at mm-hmm. the moment? And also, as you were saying that, I was thinking... Is this a new thing? Has this just kind of come about? Or is this something that's been around no, that's underpinned social work for a long time? You're only allowed to do it for a month, yeah. Oh, OK. <laughs> <laughs> it should be the bedrock of all of our practice, absolutely. I guess what I wanted to ask, Paul, was um, what what the history behind World Social Work Day was. Do you know when it started? I don't. Do you know? I do, oh. funny enough. <laughs> I like it when a question comes up and I happen to know it, and maybe not. Um, so it started, so again, the same website that you just referenced. Yes. The, um, the International Federation of Social Work website. Yeah. Says that um, it started, the first day started in 2007. Okay. So World Social Work Day is a celebration that aims to highlight the achievements of social work, to raise the visibility of social services for future of societies and to defend social justice and human rights. So it's traditionally been celebrated on the third Tuesday of March. I have memories of attending events and celebrations and everyone coming together. 
Yeah, it's so important, isn't it, that we do celebrate, that's why we're doing this podcast, that we do celebrate social work for the amazing thing that it is. And that it's recognised and that it's championed, yeah. um, it gets a lot of proud press, as, yeah. as we know and, and the listeners will know. Well, it can be problematic, we're not saying that it's, it's, you know, that it can't be, but there are amazing things about being a social worker, amazing things about social work, which we will go on to discuss. And I think... The difficulty is nowadays is that maybe that it always happens, but we've faced so much instability in recent years in terms of kind of the challenges just home, but also kind of globally and uh, cost of living crisis, war in Ukraine, the devastating impact on COVID, all of that stuff. And it's still being experienced, isn't it, across society. So when we kind of start talking about respecting diversity through joint social action, I think a lot of us are kind of have compassion fatigue and I guess when I was looking through this, I was kind of thinking, I'm not sure if I can do it. But then when I started researching into social action, social justice, you find that actually you are doing these little things. I think um, so many actions of, of social work is about social action because it's about social justice at the end at the end of the day and there's you know thinking about the motivations for why people come into social work it's around making a difference around making a positive difference now of course recognizing as you said that actually social work is really complex as well and and we're not saying it's not but people come in because they want to work towards social justice and to improve the lives of other people or to prevent people from experiencing harm so the whole kind of action of social work is is working towards social justice i think yeah so when we are talking about kind of social justice and social action i suppose we have to start thinking about what it actually is social action when we talk about social action i mean what does that mean to you or do you have an example i think the first thing to say is that social action is well first of all it should underpin everything as you've just said you know it's this kind of philosophy of professional social work we have to recognise that it's it can be really hard work. It can be a lot of emotional labour um, in order to do. And it's basically this philosophy that we don't just blame individuals for um, any troubles that they have, but we look wider. So we start thinking in terms of, I suppose it's not just blaming people for problems. So it's almost like a... Systemic? A systemic thing. It's quite a solution-focused way of thinking about things. So one of the key phrases in solution-focused work is that the person's not the problem. The Mm -hmm. problem is the problem. So we need to move away from just individualising everything. Oh, social action, I suppose it rejects this whole kind of doctrine of kind of very laissez-faire, do what you want, kind of, and survival of the fittest. And it has this idea that no matter who you are, whether you're more capable or less capable, whether you're richer or poorer, that everyone has the same fundamental rights. But do you think that's the reality for the for the families and the individuals that social workers work alongside and work with? I don't think it is. And I think that's why when we... W- social work is a human rights-based profession. And that is the challenge, isn't it? Mm. To make sure that we look at things in terms of equity, in terms of equality, and try and kind of flatten those inequalities. Yeah. And I guess when I think of social action, I kind of think of examples of things that I might have done that might be signing a petition and sharing that, for example, to encourage other people to sign a petition about something that I feel strongly about or potentially joining marches and, and solidarity against um, violence against women and girls or mm. um, Black Lives Matter. And and I name those because they're the two ones that I've kind of been on over, over the kind of the pandemic time and, and what feels most recent. 
that's how I see social action. But can I ask, in terms of, I mean, that's all very well, mm-hmm. us thinking like that, but do we actually get the opportunities in practice to actually think in terms of challenging structures and all this kind of, do we get the time to do it? I think that's a really good question. And I think we're doing it all the time. Mm. But as social workers, you're really kind of procedural led in many ways as well. So therefore you're kind of responding to what your responsibilities might be as a social worker, but whether or not you feel like you're achieving greater change or society action via change that way, I don't know. Mm. I think especially in high income countries and even middle income countries, social work is surrounded by managerialism and in terms of kind of it's become almost like a a business where we have to look at outcomes efficiencies almost like this kind of um, social this sausage meat type sausage meat sausage factory (laughs) production line and we are getting told by different people that we need to just focus on individual change rather than be too political. Mm. And, and I guess when you say that, it just one of the things I remember when I joined uh, children's services many years ago was that you can't publicly align yourself with any kind of political party. Yet social work is a real political movement in itself and is, is underpinned by politics all the time. And that's one of the first questions I ask my students. Mm. Is social work political? And it's really interesting to hear people. What, what's their responses? What do, you, what do people say? So usually at the beginning, they say yes. When I go through things like... Um, Social Work England's professional capabilities, framework, all of those kind of things. They start saying, oh, no, 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 you have to separate your politics from the work that you do because otherwise you become biased. And then toward, hopefully towards the end, they start saying, yes, it can be political. OK. I was just thinking back to the origins of social work yeah. and it was, you know, it's driven by people helping the communities or the people that needed support or that were disadvantaged, uh, marginalised and people that were able to go out and wanting to help. And then I think over the years, it's really evolved where it has, and and understandably, but it has been needed to be underpinned by law, legislation, funding, you know, from central government and and is driven by policies and procedures that, that are you know come from government and so therefore it is political and I think that whoever is in power I think also steers the kind of trajectory of 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 social work and and health and social care. Uh, We have uh, Michael Gove who um, in 2013 pledged to kind of strip the dogma that dominates kind of social work training and social work education so lecturers were going in with these big ideas about society um, and he was basically saying, you know, we, sh- we shouldn't be teaching them how to do that. We should look at a techno-rational way of social work. What does that mean, Paul? I guess it's all about very much kind of pragmatism, removing things like emotions. OK, I can, about... okay, I can see why that might be such a thing that Gove might say. Yeah. I've got a quote here, yeah, actually. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. Are in, you ready? In his voice, yeah. In his voice. <laughs> I won't be doing it in his voice. In 2013, in a speech to the NSPCC, uh, he slammed social work training, which he said involved idealistic students being told that the individuals with whom they work with have been disempowered by society. Right. But they have. Well, we we know it's a whole system (laughs) and that people, poverty isn't created by individuals. No. And we talked about that, didn't we, before? You know, it's a political choice. 
Poverty is a political choice. He added, they will be encouraged to see individuals as victims of social injustice, whose fate is overwhelmingly decreed by the economic forces and inherent inequalities which scar our society. So that is the whole idea that we should just be getting, you know, technical, techno-rational, and it comes from people like Gove. And then we have people like uh, the chief social worker, Isabel Trowler, for children and families. You yes. know about Isabel Trowler? Yes. Our chief. Well, I know that she's the <laughs> chief social worker. She or chief. Um, so she really kind of, um, she, they started things like the... Um, what did you say about uh, Isabella Trowler's start? So, because I th- when Isabella... Um, First name terms here. When <laughs> Isabella uh, was in post, yes, I felt that people celebrated that. They did because all of a sudden we had someone standing up for social work in, in terms of government. And she had also done the Hackney model, which was well lauded in terms of kind of reclaiming social work. Um, and it had kind of really high standards in terms of social work. But again, it was very much looking at... Um, they sacked a third of staff that didn't believe in the, the Hackney model. Oh, so the Hackney model, the way of working, the relationship-based practice model, yeah. yeah. And it had a whole dogma underneath it. It was, she always kind of said, you know, we do, we do need to kind of just get on and do it and kind of strip this sort of this societal, bigger, critical social work out of the profession. And she's also notably a kind of long-standing advocate for outsourcing and privatisation of social work services for children. Now, that might be a controversial thing to say, but that's what many people have said, including people like um, Michael Paul Garrett, who's a critical social worker who talks about these kind of things. Yeah, but we'll talk about different people that, that critical that are critical social workers later. So this whole idea that we should start looking at this, again, it's, it's this whole thing about what Harris has kind of talked about in terms of a social work business, about increasing efficiency, moving services users through. Um, and what that's done in terms of us as social workers, it means that we have to evaluate, measure, be audited under constant surveillance. And it's thought to kind of, Basra have done surveys on this. You know, it's eroded our professional judgment, our autonomy. It basically just detracts from the social work mission for social justice. Mm. And as you were talking though, I was just reflecting and I was thinking about the real kind of contradiction or the real conflict that um, social workers can face, uh, which is, as you said, that kind of, opening um, and kind of closing because we don't want people necessarily being open to services and having social work intervention is not required but actually the basis of relationship-based practice is around establishing trust and this takes time and to affect change within families takes time through relationship-based practice yet the contradiction there is because of the thresholds for example because actually there isn't enough people on the ground doing the work Mm. the expectation that families are kind of opened and closed or have these really short-term interventions Mm. don't always don't always align with longer-term relationship-based practice of where actually if you've known a family for a while and we know this whole narrative we've seen it we saw it with the McAllister review of children's social care didn't we we don't want social workers in children's social workers are inherently kind of bad for families Mm. and that whole idea we just get them in get them out we don't want them to interfering too much and and i think that is really really 
unhelpful in terms of how we're perceived by the profession mm. as these nasty people that go in and do these horrible things mm. when actually the whole of our profession is about supporting people about empowering people ensuring that that they can challenge inequality and it, and if you go back to the old school way of social work um before it was massively underpinned by legislation mm. where it was underpinned by the principles of helping people in your community that's what social workers want to do as you said is yeah. empower assist support people to kind of achieve their best outcomes and ch- you know children of course we don't want to be in and out doing tech techno rational techno techno rational <laughs> ways of working and tick box approaches that's not what we've we signed up for that's not what we want to do but of course there's always that dilemma so there's again i'm talking about contradictions here a lot or or conflicts mm. between the safeguarding versus the care and support and that's always that's the really complex bit of social work care versus control yes care versus control yeah absolutely and that's the boundary that we're always kind of that's the tension that we're always thinking about and it but it's a both and isn't it it's not an either or Mm. so even when we're trying to again back to the McAllister review when we're trying to separate out things like you know you have the good social workers that do support and the bad social workers that do the protection actually we're constantly navigating between those things and in order to do good protective work you have to make sure that there's support going in there and in order to ensure that people have the right amount of support you have to have an acknowledgement of the risks that are surrounding within families and from outside families as well at the same time yeah no really interesting so when we talk about social action Paul and social justice they're two different things but entirely connected. Yeah, so social action is an action, hence the name. Sorry. <laughs> and okay, social... don't mansplain. It's International Women's Week, you know. Don't mansplain. <laughs> and social justice... Is, don't tell me. <laughs> justice. Well, I suppose social justice is about a philosophy, an approach. It's about looking at... A systemic way of working. Social justice underpins social action. You have to understand social justice in order to understand social, to do the social action. What does social justice mean to you, Paul? Okay, well, I what guess. What does it mean to you personally? Because I know that you'll also have lots of academic <laughs> ideas and theories around this, and I want to hear that too, but I'm just asking you to speak from the heart. I suppose it's addressing social inequalities, but it's not just that, is it? Because it's not just about providing resources in order to do that, because you have to have an awareness of people's capabilities, don't you? Uh, People's needs and the diversity. Exactly. So it's all very well saying, all right, well, actually, what we're going to do is we're going to give this group of people this, but actually that Mm -hmm. might not be what they need, what they want. And as you're speaking here, this is kind of speaking through some of your research that you've done working with children, what they what adults perceive they need and and what they actually want. And I guess I'm hearing that as you're talking. What I'm also thinking is around social justice. And again, it's absolutely kind of acknowledging diversity and not just treating everyone equally and the same. It's around ensuring that people have equal access and that to things that people need in order to thrive in life yes. not just survive yes and do you know what so I, I know I'm really sorry I'm going to bring it back to kind of academic stuff <laughs> and, and that's that's why you're here Paul. 
In terms of academic stuff, usually we use um, someone called Rawls, John Rawls, in kind of 2001. And that is that idea that I was speaking about at the beginning, that it's about distribution. He later kind of criticised all that stuff. So if you if you do want to start looking into kind of what Rawls was saying about social justice, make sure you also look at kind of the, his later criticism of his own work. I was just thinking, as you were talking mm. about the distribution of resources, mm. I was thinking more about that. A fair distribution of resources, because if we... Resource. Say tomatoes are resources. Yes. So the idea, so Rawls kind of philosophy is actually what we need to do is we need to make sure that everyone gets tomatoes. Fairly distributed. Fairly not, distributed. Not those that have got big gardens with their greenhouse no. at the back. Or even people, though... that d- people that don't like tomatoes. Doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. In terms of the inequality, and although they're out of season, but people with their big gardens and mm. their greenhouses then would have their own tomatoes in abundance. But people who live in, don't have access to growing their own homegrown, who have to rely on the corner shop. <laughs> yeah. Or some people may not like tomatoes. So this whole idea of social justice being linked to distributive justice yes. doesn't quite equate. So then Sen started thinking about what we were talking about before in terms of actually it's about capabilities, the capabilities of people. Actually, we need to start thinking about whether people are capable of growing their own tomatoes. Yeah. And that can be reliant on the amount of money they got. But we know that poverty and money is linked to ethnicity. We know that uh, in terms of gender, we know the care, the main caring responsibilities are placed on women mm-hmm. globally. Mm-hmm. Not just of their children, of older family members, for example, or just care responsibilities. Absolutely, and it's usually unpaid care yeah. as well, isn't yeah. it? When we take all those things into account, it's about the capabilities and actually what influences those capabilities. Um, so it's not just about distribution, it's about taking into account people's own personal kind of situations as well. People started including Sen's kind of 1992 capabilities kind of approach into thinking about social justice. And then um, Martha Nussbaum in around 2003, she started saying, actually, there are certain qualities that need to be present in order for social justice to prevail. Um, And tell me, because I'm really curious to know what she identified. They are things like bodily health, imagination, emotions, practical reasons, affiliation, play, control over one's environment. All of these things are essential in order for social justice to be present. Let's bring this back to practice again. This is all good and well. How do we ensure that it's there in practice? Because actually, workplaces can be places of great solidarity, of, of working together, but also we have to understand that there can be really tough environments um, in which people can be quite isolated and they can be subjected to things like intimidation. Are you talking about the families that we work with? Are you talking about practitioners? I'm talking about practitioners, yeah. So actually, as workers, all of these ideas about social justice, how we should be doing this, sounds really, really good. But, you know, we all come with our own inequalities as well you can have um, social work students how many students enter their first job social work job you've got loads and loads of debts are going to go and put their head above a parapet and say actually these are the changes that need to happen in terms of our organization these are the changes that need to happen in terms of society i think it it's it gets into individual characters because some people are more confident and um new people coming into the profession i feel are quite 
confident at being able, in my experience, at being able to say, actually, can we do something differently? I tend to think that the pressure comes from people that are a bit more long in the tooth that say, we've done that or we've tried that or we're not doing... I think so, but I we have to remember that there are external pressures on people to be compliant yes and just to keep going and not to make too much fuss and when we think in terms of kind of black and ethnic minority social workers who are overrepresented in fitness practice i mean that's known in terms of cases referred to kind of social work england so samuel in 2020 did this kind of research on on this this stuff okay so in terms of being if you were black um, or from a minoritized ethnicity, you would be more reticent to speak up because actually you're more likely statistically to be ref- uh, unfairly referred, I would say, mm-hmm. to fitness practice because of institutionalized racism. Yeah. Within this country, apps, you know, we can yeah. speak to that and, and we know that's a, yeah. a real, real experience for, for people. As much as we say, yeah, we should be doing social justice, we should be doing social action, actually, it takes a lot. And well, and for some people, actually, that it, it's not safe to do that then. Correct, correct. Is what you're saying. But also, we are here today, yes. and I might be jumping, but we are here today to celebrate social work. Yes. So acknowledge the And there are things that we can do. And the first thing I would say that we need to do is we need to be aware of the impact of society, the impact on society on our jobs, mm-hmm. about being a bit more critical. So when I say, can, you know, what, what's critical reflection to you, you would say... When I think of critical reflection, yeah. I think um, of not just kind of went well, but actually where improvements were needed or actually what were all the different things that, that were into play yes. in that present moment? Yes. And what's all the things that are into play right now whilst I'm reflecting? How yes. am I feeling? What state am I yes. in? How is the other person behaving? What might have been going on for them, etc. Yeah, so things like, you know, Kolb's kind of reflective uh, and all of that kind of stuff is great for what went well and we talk about reflection all the time it's so important because we need to know what we're bringing but also what society's bringing to our work so it extends that to thinking about what societal influences there are and so critical that word critical especially from Jan Fook in the kind of the beginning of this century was talking about the difference between critical reflection and just reflection and critical comes from this kind of Marxist idea that we should start being more conscious about the influence of structural in inequalities okay we need to start understanding and looking at kind of critical social work and embedding it in our practice and do you think that we're not then she said we need to start i feel like it's something that's been done for ages but i'm going off piece so i think it i think it it is but then we get people like gove yeah who tell us that we shouldn't be doing that in education okay that we're polluting students minds and and they're not getting on with the job because they're thinking about these things too much and excusing poor behavior okay okay in terms of challenging things like structural racism Do you have experiences of that, I guess? When we're thinking about, for example, the World Social Work Day of Respecting Diversity through Joint Social Action and just, you know, bringing up your point there around the experiences of our colleagues who are black and and from minoritised ethnicities, for example, kind of in the local authority where we were working, social action looked like creating space, online space, and it was online because it was kind of during the pandemic, of where staff, colleagues would come together, white staff with their black colleagues and Mm. would have some really kind of open 
challenging, frank conversations, but whilst maintaining a safe space to be able to actually let's talk about institutionalised racism. Let's talk about the experiences of black stuff. Let's mm. talk about how white colleagues, although they may be wanting to do kind of their, their best and don't necessarily consider themselves as racist, but actually through some really kind of important and connecting conversations, we're able to see the impact of, of white colleagues not understanding our black colleagues' experiences. I think having that groups that are marginalised, uh, that are oppressed at the centre, it's not about them doing all the work, by the way. At no, all. Oh, of course not. <laughs> but it is about making sure that those experiences are at the at the centre of are conversations heard. and are heard. So it's the it's about in ensuring that people marginalised communities that those voices are heard and listened and responded to. Yes, and those problems and those issues that are happening are not just dismissed. And I, you know, the the work that I do with Jewish social workers group, for example, mm-hmm. I know that a lot of the time Jewish people are either not heard or they are dismissed or else they just kind of said well I don't think you've quite experienced that's not really your experience is what we get quite a lot okay and we need to stop doing that we need to place people and their experiences at the center of our work at the center of our research at the center of our policy so that group that you're facilitating that's social action then through that's joint social action it is it is and Going back to what I said at the beginning, it takes it takes a lot. It takes a lot of emotional labour. I'll be thinking about it late at night or keep me awake. It might wake me up mm. thinking about these different things because you are battling against and challenging people who often don't want to be challenged or often don't see the problem, mm-hmm. often don't see the issue. And that can be really frustrating because mm-hmm. you just you feel like you're knocking on doors and, and shouting and people are either telling you to shut up or slamming the door in your face. And, and not to kind of move away from your experience of what you're explaining there, but that also somewhat mirrors what social workers' day-to-day lives might be in terms of pe- working and trying to build a relationship with people as well. It's all of those kind of how social workers are perceived as so powerful by the families that we work with. And, and we how- are, to some extent. Oh, oh, entirely, when you think about the kind of how, what our understanding of, of the law is, for example, and how we have to apply it. Mm. But just how those power imbalances kind of through our social interactions, how that then impacts on... Um, on people from marginalised groups. Well, power power is everywhere in social work and that's something that we need to understand. You know, power and listening to people. The two, I would say those are the two main things that we constantly need to consider. Power and making sure that we, the people that we're working with are at the centre of every single thing that we do. Mm. I mean, maybe that's just my philosophy, but I think that should be the philosophy of social work. Okay, so back to respecting diversity through joint social action. Yes, that's one thing we can do. Keeping up to date with your training, up to date with understanding how the world is kind of working. Having critical social work, so thinking about things like Featherstone, Gupta. These are amazing people that have talked about kind of social models of child protection. People like Stephen Webb. These are, to various degrees, kind of accessible ways of thinking in terms of kind of critical social work. So I would go and kind of seek these things out. In terms of things like British Journal of Social Work as well. Yes. There's some really interesting kind of um, arguments back and forth between academics. One academic kind of saying, oh, you know, all social workers, it's the end of social work as we know it. And then another academic saying, no, 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 we still got, we still should be instigating change. We still can do it. Yes. So those debates are happening. I would say go to journals, community care, for example. Yes. 
Um, their website is brilliant in terms of keeping up to date with ongoing social work debates. Stay away from things like social work news, which is the tabloid for social work. Okay, I've oh. not come across that. Oh, good. It's things like how many people, how, how social workers get murdered by their clients and stuff like social workers has, has ruined my dating life. Tell me about <laughs> it. <laughs> well, maybe you might enjoy it. <laughs> so, yeah, that was my article. <laughs> And there's kind of little things that we can do. So the first thing is about gaining knowledge, isn't it? All right. And then other things like signing. You said that you've been going on marches and things like that. I have been on marches in the past. Yeah. Particularly, you know, in response to big things that have happened. So, for example, the news that we've received around Sarah Everard and there was protests around violence against women and girls. Mm -hmm. And so I joined a, a local protest in terms of joining in solidarity with women and other local people, you know, men as well that were coming out and saying this is not OK. And there's something kind of really powerful and soul soothing in some way that in response to such a tragic incident that's occurred, that everybody comes together in those times. And that feels like social action. Mm, that is social um, action, yeah. And also within the Black Lives Matter recent movement during the pandemic with the you know tragedy around uh, George Floyd uh, again joining with local people and feeling kind of part of something to affect some kind of change and and whilst you're kind of doing that you're thinking is me being here how much change am I affecting by by me being here but actually it's about a collective response mm -hmm. I think you can get stuck as well sometimes um, and that goes to back to my do-do isn't it of actually just do something try not to think how much impact is this going to have is it right is it the right thing to do you know those questions should and can come afterwards mm. critical reflection perfect um and just taking the first steps whether it be going on marches or signing a petition or completing surveys or whatever it might be all of these really small things as long but they're as you just not do it yeah but they're not really small and i guess that's they're the point not. isn't it they're not really small no and um and also sharing your views around how you want policies to be changed or how we need to uh, do something differently to empower the people that we're working with as yeah, well. Yeah, so empowerment, advocacy, speaking up for people that are unable to speak up or, or feel pressurised to speak up. Like we colleagues, families. Maybe, but also the, the, the kind of really important pool around co-production where we're involving people with their own lived experience to be able to, empowering them to be able to have their voice rather than us doing it on their behalf. Yes, I know that's it there's a time and place for that but i think the power of co-production and enabling people to be able to share that 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 space and, yeah. and have their views and equal say around how services should be run we need to think kind of wider as well so how do other countries manage in terms of communities how do other countries do do family for example we need to decolonize basically what i'm saying we need to decolonize social work to a much further extent than we're doing um and Agree. that's that's true co-production because it needs to be international i'd like to i'd like us to think about that for another time yeah i think we should do a podcast on that so can i ask you a question mm. as part of world social work month what social action are you planning on taking or are taking this month or have taken this month? For me, what's important is I use my power and privilege to help people be heard that, that don't feel safe enough to do that. 
So that's what I, that's what I do. That's what I'll be doing in terms of my book. That's what I do in terms of my uh, the Jewish social workers group. Um, yeah. And that's what I do, hopefully, in terms of social work. That's why I went into social work. I was going to ask you that. And was that kind of one of your original motivators? I think so. And I think this is getting really personal, isn't it? But I think when I was younger, I didn't necessarily feel that I had a voice or that I felt necessarily felt heard. Mm-hmm. And I had a problematic teenage years. And I think that always spurred me on to be a social worker in terms of actually... I don't want other people to feel that. Yeah. And I want to make sure that there is someone there that can do do something for the little Paul. <laughs> do, <laughs> do do some social work. Sorry. And I think kind of what you've just described there, although other people will have their own experiences, people will be able to identify with that actually having had their own experience in their younger self mm. that has then become their motivator to now being in a more capable slash powerful position to be able to help others and mm. people are using that to yeah. to affect change. Yes. So I think it's really relatable. And it is about affecting those changes. What about you? Thinking about social justice and doing social action. Some social action that I'm going to be doing um, later this month is doing some public engagement work where I'm going to be going out and talking to members of the public around the importance of uh, tackling violence against women and girls. Okay. And um, and do you like doing that? Do you like kind of public engagement? And I do really enjoy it because what I like about it, again, is enabling people to have those conversations when they might not necessarily have had them. So, again, kind of enabling people the voice or... Uh, to kind of speak or explore that and of course you know with any kind of type of public engagement you get some interesting interactions that you hadn't necessarily predicted or were (laughs) (laughs) I I feel like you're being very um, (laughs) diplomatic okay (laughs) so if you want an actual if you want an actual example there was one time that we were doing some public engagement uh, and I was striking up a conversation with a white middle-aged man who'd come over to have a conversation to find out what we were doing and I explained that we were uh, raising awareness around violence of women and girls and he immediately started talking about uh, how cross he was with the local parking system where he lived (laughs) so I don't need to say too much more about that can I just add one more thing before we wrap up yes that in order to do this stuff we need time and resources to do it and I know there's uh, recently there's been lots of talk in terms of the UK in terms of problems with recruitment of social workers problems with retention despite things that are meant to solve it all such as frontline which is meant to be the panacea of recruitment and retention and all of this Kind of Aren't stuff. we in the worst kind of recruitment phase Absolutely. in Absolutely. the history of social work at the moment? Yeah. And in order to make sure that we have enough time and resources, all of us need to be active in terms of answering the surveys, making sure the government is held accountable, making sure people like the chief social workers are held accountable to ensure that we get better public engagement in terms of social work, better strategies in terms of recruitment and retention if we really want to do do social action (laughs) yeah we need to start addressing our working conditions as well standing up for ourselves as well as others overall how how do you feel how's this left you feeling let's do a social work just social work check-in out check out check out (laughs) kind of inspired and motivated to carry on working towards social justice through social action yeah Thinking about whether or not we have acknowledged all of the different backgrounds of people. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Thinking about ethnicities, people's abilities, social and sexual orientation. I don't know if we've really given that enough time today, if I'm honest. No, I, I agree, yeah. And maybe that's something we can think about in future podcasts. I think I think we do. I think this is the start of a conversation, like everything, isn't it, on DD Social Work? This is the start of the conversation. Yeah. Um, and we will have many more conversations to come in terms of social justice and social action. Bye.
Fantastic. And until next time. Until next time. Thank you, listeners. See ya. Bye. Bye.